Hi, and welcome to this inaugural episode of the Classic Christmas Archive Podcast, featuring festive comedy, drama, music, mystery, and more from the golden age of radio and spoken word recordings. I'm Dinsdale Kringle, and I'll be your ho-ho host as we explore the Yuletide Radio Archives. Since its release in 1946, It's a Wonderful Life is ranked as one of the most popular Christmas films of all time. In fact, it often holds on to the number one spot even today, despite the legions of fans of more recent holiday juggernauts such as Home Alone, A Christmas Story, and Elf. Upon its initial release, it was well-reviewed but not a massive hit. But, thanks to some screwed-up paperwork that landed the flick in the public domain for a number of years, thrifty television stations would eventually inundate their Yuletide schedules with the film. It was popular, free to air, and a good time filler at two and a quarter hours, which they could spread out into a three-hour slot, saturating the public consciousness with it until it became a treasured annual tradition. But before TV made It's a Wonderful Life the kind of movie that comes to be an indelible part of the popular culture, it was adapted for the radio four times, with star Jimmy Stewart reprising his role in all of them. Films adapted for radio were popular during radio's golden age. They served as a promotional tool for films still in release, as well as giving fans a chance to relive or even experience in some way a film for the first time in an age before television reruns, let alone home video or streaming. Now, let's listen to this 1947 episode of the Lux Radio Theater, featuring not only Jimmy Stewart from the original cast, but also Donna Reed. And stay tuned after the program. We'll look at some of the holiday hits that radio listeners enjoyed the year It's a Wonderful Life was in theaters, as well as some of the other films playing Christmas Week 1946. Lux presents Hollywood. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, bring you the Lux Radio Theater. Starring James Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore in It's a Wonderful Life. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight we bring you one of the season's most inspiring hits, a Liberty Films production that's been nominated for the highest screen award. Yes, It's a Wonderful Life. And we present it now with its original fine stars, Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. Jimmy in the role which won him a nomination for the best performance of the year. Also in our cast is starred that fine comedian, Victor Moore. It's a Wonderful Life is the drama of a typical American. Might be you, it might be me. He dreams of glory, he lives in hope, he loves and doubts, uh, and only providence puts a final value on his service to humanity. Our story starts before the war, when life was normal. Shortages were generally unknown, and simple luxuries like Lux soap were abundant. I won't say that's the only reason people said it's a wonderful life, but I do know from the thousands of letters in our files that most of them said it's a wonderful soap. And they keep right on saying it day after day. In fact, the popularity of Lux soap is what makes it possible to present such entertainment as Frank Capra's great production, It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart as George, Donna Reed as Mary Hatch, and Victor Moore as Clarence. This is the story of George Bailey, citizen of Bedford Falls, New York. George Bailey, who more than anything under the sun wanted to see the world, the wonderful, exciting world that lay somewhere beyond the limits of his hometown. Oddly enough, this story does not begin in Bedford Falls. In fact, it doesn't begin anywhere in the world. It begins in heaven, where the superintendent of angels has just summoned an apprentice angel named Clarence. Oh, I... I'm really going down to Earth, sir? Oh, how splendid. Yes. There's a very discouraged man down there, Clarence. George Bailey. At exactly 10.45 p.m., Earth time, he'll be thinking seriously of ending his life. Oh, dear, dear, his life. Now, I want you to stop him if you can. 
Now, sit down, sit down. I'll give you Bailey's case history. Sir, if... Uh, if I should accomplish my mission, may I perhaps get my wings? I've been waiting over 200 years now, and, well, people are beginning to talk. Clarence, what's that book? The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, sir. I was reading it when you sent for me. Oh, fine book. Excellent. Well, you do a good job on George Bailey, and we'll see about your wing. Oh, thank you, sir. Now, listen. When George Bailey was a boy, two events occurred that you should keep in mind. One was when his young brother, Harry, fell through the ice and almost drowned. George saved him. Brother fell through the ice. George saved him. Ever since, George has had a bad ear. All that icy water, you understand. Yeah, bad ear, yes, sir. The other event came a few months later. George used to work after school in Mr. Gower's drugstore. One day, Mr. Gower's only son died of influenza. It was a terrible blow, and poor Mr. Gower tried to lose his grief in whiskey. Where you been, George? Mrs. Blaine's called twice. What happened to her prescription? You lost it, didn't you? No, Mr. Gower. Here it is. Are you good for nothing? Don't you know that Blaine girl's very sick? Mr. Gower, my ear. You're hurting my sore ear. Teach you to loaf, you lazy brat. Mr. Gower, you don't know what you're doing. You put something wrong in those capsules. Shut up. Oh, I know you feel bad, but look, Mr. Gower, look. This bottle, you used this bottle to make up the capsules. Poison. Poison? Don't hurt my sore ear again, Mr. Poison. Gower. Oh, George. That's why you deliver, Mr. Gower. All I wanted was to make sure. George, George. Well, Clarence, that was George Bailey as a boy. When he grew up, he wanted to go to college, but there just wasn't the money. So he worked four years in the Building and Loan Association. Building and Loan Association? Oh, I forgot to tell you. George's father was in the building and loan business. He and George's uncle, Billy. High ideals and low bank account. Anyway, George worked for his father and saved enough to see him through the university. That summer, though, he was going to Europe. Got a job on a cattle boat. Do a little traveling before cut. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, it's hard to realize that my last night in the Bailey boarding house. We're sure going to miss you, George. Oh, I'm going to miss you too, Pop. Hey, what's the matter? You look tired. Oh, I had another tussle with old Henry Potter today. Well, I thought when you put him on the board of directors, he'd ease up. Well, so did I. I just can't understand a man like Mr. Potter. He can't begin to spend all the money I he has. I guess Potter owns about everything he wants in Bedford Falls, except our building and loan. That's why he hates us. Hey, George, can I borrow your tuxedo studs? Yeah, help yourself, Harry. Well, where are they? In your suitcase? Well, I'm not taking a tuxedo on a cattle boat, you know. Say, where'd you get that suitcase anyway? Oh, Mr. Gower, going away present. And one of these days, you're going to see that bag all covered with travel labels. Italy, Baghdad, Samarkand. Going to have a pretty full summer, eh? I'm going to have a pretty full life. Hey, why don't you come to the dance tonight? Why, I'd be bored to death. Well, you couldn't want a better death. Lots of pretty girls. Hey, hey I got to hurry. I wish we could send Harry to college with you, George. Oh, we've got that all figured out now, Pop. He'll take over my job at the building and loan, work four years like I did, and then he'll go. Well, he's pretty young for that job. Well, no younger than I was. Maybe you were born older, George. Huh? George, when you get out of college, I don't suppose you'd come back to the building and loan. Oh, no, no Pop, I... I... I just couldn't. I, I couldn't face being cooped up the rest of my life in a shabby little office. I, I, oh, I, I'm sorry, Pop. Now, I, I didn't mean that, but it's just this business of nickels and dimes. I'd go crazy. I, I want to do something big, something important. In a small way, we are doing something important, George. In that shabby little office, we help people figure out how they can own their own homes. I know, I know, Pop. I, I just wish I felt that I... I but I, I just... Feel like if I didn't get away, I'd bust. I... <laughs> You're right, boy. You get yourself an education, then get out of here. Oh, Pop, you... Pop, you want a shock? I think you're a pretty great guy. Well, thanks, George. I'm glad to hear it. Look, um, why don't you go on over to Harry's dance? You'd have a good time. Well, I don't know. Maybe it will drop in. Yeah, maybe it will at that. So, George Bailey went to a dance. Is that important, Joseph? Why, it was at the dance he met Mary Hatch. Oh. And three hours later, he was walking her home. George and Mary were feeling pretty good, Clarence. As a matter of fact, wonderful. Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? 
George, uh, did you know Mary Hatch is back from school? Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. Nice girl, Mary. Mm hmm. Oh, stop grunting. Mm -hmm. Give me one good reason why you shouldn't call on Mary. Well, Sam Wainwright. Sam's crazy about Mary. Well, she's not crazy about him. Well, now, how do you know that? Did she discuss it with you? How do you... Besides, Sam's away in New York. Oh, and all's fair in love and war. Uh huh, I see. Okay, Mother, I think I'll go out and find that girl and do a little passionate necking. Oh, George. Bye, Miss Bailey. By the way, do you want any books at the library? Library? George! George, you go and see Mary. Do you hear? George, is that you out there? Oh, oh hello, Mary. Well, are you coming in? I just happened to be passing by here. Oh, I thought you were picketing. Have you made up your mind? How's that? Have you made up your mind? About what? About coming in. Your mother just phoned. She said you were coming over. My mother just phoned. What does she mean, Carla? I just happened to be passing by, that's all. I didn't... Well? Well, all right, I'll come in for a minute. But I didn't tell anybody I was coming here. You fella can't go out for a walk nowadays without you... When would you get back? Tuesday. Mm. When would you get that dress? Do you like it? It's all right. <laughs> well, no point standing here on the porch. Come on in. I, I still can't understand it. I didn't tell anybody I was coming here, you know. Would you rather leave? Well, no, I don't want to be rude. Sit down for a while. It's nice about your brother and Ruth, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. Don't you like her? Well, of course I like her. She's a peach. Oh, just marriage in general you're not enthusiastic about, hmm? No, no. Marriage is all right for a lot of people. It's all right for Harry and Sam Wainwright and you. And... For Sam? Harry? It's George Bailey, Mother. What's he want? I don't know. What do you want? Me? I, not a thing. Not a thing. And I, I just came in to get warm. He's making violent love to me, Mother. You just tell him to go right back home. Sam said he'd call you tonight from New York, didn't he? I guess so. How about some music? Uh, you know, your mother needs a... You know, I didn't come here to... What did you come here for, then? Uh, I don't know. You're supposed to be the one with all the answers. You tell me. Oh, why don't you go home? I don't know why I came here in the first place. Good night. Good night. Okay, the way you're shouting, you'd think that... You'd think what? All right, I'll get it. George, on your way out, would you mind turning off the phonograph? I'd be very happy to. Hello? Sam? Mary! Gee, it's good to hear your voice. How are you, Sam? I forgot my hat. Hee-haw. What? Oh, I, I was just talking to an old friend of yours, George Bailey. Old Mossback George? Old Mossback George. Well, put him on. I'll talk to him, too. Wait a second. George! He doesn't want to speak to George. He does so. He asked for him. Why'd you call me? Because if you are, I, I'm in a hurry. I got... Sam wants to talk to you. Oh. Oh. Hiya, Sam. Hey, fine pal you are, trying to steal my girl. Now, what do you mean? Nobody's trying to steal anybody's girl. Here, Mary, take the... No, no, here. no, wait, wait, George. I want to speak to you both. Tell Mary to get in the extension upstairs. And he says for you to get on the extension upstairs. I can't. Mother's on the extension. I am not. We, we can both hear, George. Just put your head a little closer. What? Yeah, what? That's, that's better. Uh, we're, we're listening, Sam. Well, I have a big deal coming up. It's going to make us all rich. George, you remember that time you told me about making plastics out of soybeans? Soybeans, yeah, yeah, soybeans, yeah. Well, yeah, my yeah. father's checked into it, George. See, and now he's going to put up a factory. How do you like that? A factory, huh? And yeah. here's the point, George. I may have a job for you unless you're still married to that broken-down building and loan. Oh, Mary? Uh, I'm here. You tell that guy I'm giving him a chance of a lifetime. Do you hear? He says it's the chance of a lifetime. And give me that phone. Here's George again, Sam. George. Now, you listen to me, Mary. I don't want any plastics, and I don't want any job, and I don't want to get married ever to anyone. Do you understand that? I want to do what I want to do, and, and you're not going to trick me. And you're... Mary. George. Mary. Oh, Mary, darling, I, I love you, Mary. Well, well, so George... Billy and Mary Hatch were... Yes, 
George and Mary were married. Mm. And they started off on their honeymoon in Ernie Bishop's taxi cab. Hey, where are you two going on this here now, honeymoon? We're going to shoot the works, Ernie. A whole week in New York, a whole week in Bermuda, the highest hotel, the oldest champagne, the hottest music, and the prettiest wife. <laughs> so you're finally getting out of Bedford Falls, huh? Then what? Then what, honey? After that, who cares? That does it. Hey, you know, Mrs. Bailey, I haven't kissed you. Hey, George, I'm... there's something funny going on over there. Look, look over there at the bank. It looks huh? like a run. All right. Pull over a minute, will you, Ernie? George, let's not stop. Please, let's go straight to the station. No, wait station. a minute. Well, I'd better see what it is. I'll be right back. George, please. George! In a few moments, we'll return with the second act of It's a Wonderful Life, starring James Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore. Meanwhile, here's our Hollywood reporter, Libby Collins, looking very smart to me, I say. Well, thank you, Mr. Keeley. You know, after seeing Paulette Goddard's wardrobe for Paramount's new comedy, Suddenly It's Spring, I just had to rush out and buy something new. Looking at all those lovely clothes was just too much for my self-control. Well, you look stunning, Libby. Oh, thank you again, Mr. Keeley. Now, tell me about the picture. I understand that Paulette's portrayal of an ex-whack is truly delightful. Oh, yes, it is. And Fred McMurray gives a perfect characterization of her wayward husband. Between the two of them, suddenly at spring is a high-spirited comedy with emphasis on the romantic side. Well, naturally. <laughs> but really, Mr. Keeley, that wardrobe of Miss Goddard certainly will make clothes-conscious girls sit up and take notice. I'll bet you think so, too, Mr. Kennedy. Well, Libby, men seldom know much about styles. What I notice about a dress is the general effect when a woman wears it. Some girls always seem to have that right-on-the-beam look. You know what I mean. <laughs> well, I think what you have in mind, Mr. Kennedy, is good grooming. Screen stars certainly put great emphasis on it. A perfect hairdo, fresh, beautifully cared-for skin. Those are essentials. That must be the reason Lux Toilet Soap continues to be a studio standby, no matter how often other styles change. Well, that's what Miss Goddard told me. She says her beauty facials are so quick and easy and work so well. She's never without a supply of Lux Toilet Soap. I can depend on it for daily complexion care, she said. I wish you'd tell the ladies in our audience how easy these Lux Soap facials are, Libby. Well, here's what Paulette Goddard does. She says, I cover my face with the fragrant Lux Soap lather and work it well in. I rinse with warm water, then cold, and use a soft towel to pat my skin dry. Gives skin quick new beauty, she says. Daily Lux Soap facials do make skin lovelier. Recent tests by skin specialists proved it. In, in three out of four cases, complexions became softer and smoother in, in just a short time. A lovely Lux complexion makes a woman so attractive. I wish every girl who hasn't tried Lux toilet soap would begin using it tomorrow. That's sound advice, Libby. When nine out of ten screen stars recommend a beauty soap, you know it has to be good. So why not try Lux toilet soap, Hollywood's own complexion soap? We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Act two of It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart as George, Donna Reed as Mary and Victor Moore as Clarence. Well, we're back in heaven again, where the superintendent of angels is reviewing the case history of a mortal named George Bailey. Clarence, the apprentice angel, is very eager to depart on his mission to the earth. Poor George Bailey. Oh, he's certainly in desperate trouble, Joseph. I'll go to him at once. Now, you sit down, Clarence. Sit down. We're nowhere near the point where George Bailey's thinking of taking his life. We're not? Now, uh, where were we? Uh, oh, yes, yes. George and Mary had just started out on their honeymoon when they ran smack into the financial panic of 1932. In the waiting room of the building and loan, a hundred frantic people were clamoring for their savings. Hey, what's going on, Uncle Billy? What's happened? All those people out there. This is a pickle, George. All I know is the bank called our loan an hour ago. I had to hand over all our cash. Holy mackerel. Whole town's gone crazy. Bank's in the same spot we are. Our charter, too. What about our charter? Our charter says we have to stay open until 6 p.m. The state can take away our license if we don't. How can we stay open until 6 without any money? 
George, where are you going? Out to talk to those people. Come on. Now, please. Now, please, folks. Now, just a minute. Just a minute. Now, please. How about our money, George? Where's our money? Now, come on, now, please. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, listen to me. Now, you're thinking of this place all wrong. Your money's not here. Oh, wait a minute now. Let me tell you. Let me tell you your money's in people's houses, in the Kennedy house, in the McLaren house, and in your house, and a hundred others. Now, what are you going to do, foreclose on them? I got $240 in shares. Now, let me have it. All right. All right, Charlie. Now, you'll get your money in 60 days. 60 days? Well, now, look, that's what you, that's what you agreed on when you bought your shares. I got my money! Yeah, well, yes. Old man is taking over the bank. He'll pay you 50 cents on every dollar. Then let's take our shares to Potter. Half is better than nothing. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Please, folks. I beg of you not to do this. If Potter gets hold of your shares, he'll be owning this building and loan. He's got the bank, he's got the bus line, he's got the department stores, and now he's after us because he wants to keep you living in his shacks and paying the kind of rent he decides to charge. Now, we can get through this thing, all right, but we've got to stick together. We've got to have faith in each other. My husband's out of work. We need money. I've got doctor bills to pay. I can't feed my kids on save. You still got some money? Hey, Mary. Here it is, George. You told me to hold on to it. Would have made a nice honeymoon. Bought furniture, too. Hey, now, wait a minute, folks. Listen. I've got $2,000. All right, Charlie, how much do you need? $240. No, Charlie, now listen, just enough to tide you over. I said $240. Okay, okay. Uncle Billy, give Charlie $240. All right, Ed. Now, how much just to get by on? Oh, $20, I suppose. Now you're talking. Now you're Mrs. Thompson, how about well, $20 you? $20 will do me. Good, good. $20. Uncle Billy, pay it back when you can now. Pay it back when you can. All right, all right. Who's next? Look at the clock. Look. Five seconds. Four seconds, three, two, one, six o'clock. We made it. Lock that door, Eustace, quick. Boy, we're still in business, Uncle Billy. We've even got two bucks left, hmm? George, there's a call for you. Okay, and then call my wife, will you? She's probably over at Mother's. Mrs. Bailey's on the line. No, I don't want Miss Bailey. I want my wife, Mrs. Bailey. Mrs. Bailey, that's my wife. That's my... Give me the phone, will you? Hey, Mary, listen, Mary, I'm sorry. I, I, hmm? Come home. What home? Well... 323 Sycamore. Well, whose home is that? What? Well, Mary, how can I... Well, sure, all right, sure, I'll, I'll be there. Clarence, guess what 323 Sycamore was? His mother-in-law's house, huh? Oh, no. Number 323 Sycamore was the old Granville house, the one George threw rocks at and made wishes. Yes, sir, that's where they spent their honeymoon. That's where they started housekeeping. They were still living there two years later when old man Potter asked George to stop over at his office. Sit down, George. Sit down, do. Uh, have a cigar? Well, thank you, sir. Uh, George, you're a young man, married, making, say, $40 a week at the building and lawn. Forty-five. Forty-five. Now, if you were some ordinary yokel, I'd say you were doing fine. But George Bailey is intelligent, ambitious. He hates the building and lawn almost as much as I do. He's been dying to get out of town ever since he was born, but he's trapped. Trapped into frittering his life away, playing nursemaid to a lot of garlic eaters. Do I paint a correct picture, George, or do I exaggerate? Well, what's your point, Mr. Potter? My point is that you're the only man in town who has licked me. George, I want to hire you. Manage my affairs. I'll start you off at $20,000 a year. $20,000 a year? Are you sure you're talking to me? I'm George Bailey. Don't you remember me? The building and loan, remember? Yes, George Bailey, whose ship has just come in, providing he has sense enough to climb aboard. Well, but but what about the building and loan? Confound it, man. I'm offering you a three-year contract at $20,000 a year. Is it a deal or isn't it? No, no. The answer's no doggone it. If you offered me a million dollars to stay around this town and play stooge to you, the answer'd still be no. Now, let me alone. Don't bother What did Mr. Potter want? Oh, uh, it's nothing. He just talked, talked. It's nothing. Oh, gee. Mary Hatch. Mary, why in the world did you ever marry a guy like me, anyway? (laughs) To keep from being an old maid. I was going to see the world. I was going to build things. I was going to give you the moon. What have I given you? What have I given you? Not even a new dress, not for months. I... Gee whiz, I feel awful. So do I. Mornings especially. I could have married Sam Wainwright, anybody else in town. I didn't want to marry anybody else. I want my baby to look like you. No, you didn't even have a honeymoon. And I promised you that you, 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 you. 
You, you what? My baby. Your, your baby. Hey, Mary, Mary, you mean you're on the nest? Well, Mary had her baby, Clarence, a boy. You don't say. Then she had another, a girl. Well, what do you know? Night after night, George had come home late from the office. Things weren't good with the building and loan. Potter was really bearing down on him. Then came the war. Mary had another baby by then. Oh. But she still had time to help out in USO. Uncle Billy sold war bonds. And George's brother Harry became a real hero. Shot down 15 planes. But George, what about George? Well, George was 4F, his bad ear. He was an air raid warden. On VE Day, he wept and prayed. On VJ Day, he wept and prayed again. We're, uh, we're getting pretty close to today, aren't we, sir? Yes, Clarence. You now know almost everything you have to know about George Bailey, except what happened that finds him down there at this moment, wanting to die. Well, sir, well... Well, today's the day before Christmas, uh, Earth time. George is pretty excited. Hey, Tilly! You just... Hey, look at the newspaper. Commander Harry Bailey, decorated by the president. That's my kid brother. The Congressional Medal of Honor. Gosh, George, gosh. What do you think about the 15 Jap planes? And the last one he got was just about to dive into a transport loaded with soldiers. You know what that means? He saved lives, hundreds of lives. Gee, where's Uncle Billy? Huh? Well, going to the bank, George. He's oh. depositing that $8,000. Good, good, good. Go. Who's that in his office, sir? It's that man again, the bank examiner. Uh-oh, oh, yeah. Well, good afternoon, Mr. Carter. Hey, uh, Telly, get the books from Mr. Carter, will you? You know, that's my brother's picture there, Mr. Carter. He shot down 15 planes, and one of them was... Well, well, Mr. Henry F. Potter come to the bank to deposit some more loot, eh? Sure, you old fool. How do you like the news in the paper, Mr. Potter? Just can't keep those Bailey boys down now, can you? Oh, let me see that newspaper. Here, sorry I can't chat, you old thief. Got to make a deposit. Uh, here you are, Horace. Deposit slip, bank book, and a very Merry Christmas to you. You too, Mr. Bailey. Say, you've forgotten something, haven't you? Horace, I've forgotten things all my life. Get a wiggle on, boy. But, Mr. Bailey, where's the money? Uh, wh what's that? You want to make a deposit? What well, certainly I want. Well, it's customary to bring the money with you. It's gone. Where'd I put it? Where'd I put that money? A terrible thing, Clarence. Terrible. Uncle Billy couldn't find the money because the envelope with the $8,000 was folded up in that newspaper he gave to old man Potter. I just don't know what happened to it, George. I just don't know. $8,000. Uncle Billy, the bank examiner's here, and it's not our money. It belongs to the depositors. George, what, what are we going to do? We've traced every step I took. We can't stand here in the street. Are you sure you didn't put that envelope in your coat pocket? I, I, I think so. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, I'm no good to you, George. I'm no good. Now listen to me. Now listen to me. Think. Think, will you? Now try and think. I... I can't think anymore. I, I can't. Now where's that money, you silly old fool? You know what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not going to be me. Now get out of my way. I'm going home. George, dear, what's wrong? You haven't said a word since you came home. Oh, well, that banging on that piano, does she have to just keep playing that same piece over and over and over and over again? What is it, dear? Another hectic day. Yeah. Yeah, another red-letter day for the baby. Dad, Murphy's got a brand-new car. You should see it. What's the matter with our car? Isn't it good enough for you? I'm sorry, Dad. I only... Run upstairs, Petey. See if Zuzu's all right. Okay, Mom. Now, what do you mean? What, see if Zuzu's all right. What do you mean? Oh, she caught a little cold coming home from school. She didn't button up her coat. Well, what is it? What is? What do you mean, just a cold? Oh, George, the doctor said it was nothing serious. The doctor? Was the doctor here? Well, I thought he'd better look at her. It's this old drafty house. It's... No wonder we don't all have pneumonia. Might as well be living in a refrigerator. Why did we have to live here in the first place and stay around this measly, crummy old town? George, what's happened? Everything's happened. You call this a happy family? Why do we have to have all these kids? Daddy, how do you spell Frankenstein? I don't know how you spell. Why you ask your mother? Where are you going? Upstairs to see Zuzu. Hello? Oh, thank you, Mrs. Welch. I'm sure she'll be all right. Who's that? Zuzu's school teacher. What? Oh, yes, the doctor says she'll be fine tomorrow. Here, give me that phone. George, please. Mrs. Welsh? 
Well, this is Mr. Bailey. Say, what kind of a teacher are you, anyway? What do you mean, sending Zuzu home like that half-naked? Do you realize you'll probably end up with pneumonia just because of your stupidity? You know, maybe my kids aren't the best-dressed kids in town, but at least... Hello? Hello? Janie, will you stop playing that lousy piano? Cut it out! Stop it! George, for heaven's sake, what's wrong with you? I'm sorry. I'm... Janie, I'm sorry, Mary. I, I, I've just got to get out of here. That's it, George. You're short $8,000 in your accounts, eh? Oh, please, Mr. Potter, I'll, I'll pay any sort of a bonus if you still want the building and loan. I, you say it I'll was let... lost. Have you notified the police? No, sir, I haven't done that yet. Harry's home. Oh, I come tomorrow. to me. What about your good friend Sam Wainwright? I can't get a hold of him. He's in Europe. What kind of security would I have, George? What collateral? Yes, sir, I have some life insurance here. $15,000 policy. Hmm? What's your equity in it? $500. And you want $8,000? You once called me a warped, frustrated old man. Well, what are you but a warped, frustrated young man crawling on your hands and knees for help? Why don't you go to the riffraff you love so well? Ask them for help. I'll do anything, Mr. Potter, please. Please help me, Miss. My wife and kids... I'm calling the district attorney. $500. You know something, George? You're worth more dead than you are alive. Now get out of here. Get out. All the time, Potter had the $8,000 in his desk drawer. It's still there, Terrence. But where, George, sir? Where? Well, he went over to Martini's Cafe. He's had a couple of drinks, Clarence. He's just standing there, sort of in a day. Oh, God. Oh, God, dear Father in heaven, I... I'm not a praying man, but if... If you're up there... And, and you can hear me. Please show me the way. I'm at the end of my rope. I... Show me the way, God. Mr. Bailey, you all right? Don't drink anymore, Mr. Bailey. Please, you don't feel good. Bailey? You say Bailey? Which Bailey? This gentleman is Mr. Bailey. George Bailey. George Bailey, huh? And the next time you talk to my wife like that, she'll get worse. It isn't enough. She slaves teaching your stupid kids how to read and write. You got to follow up. You get out of here, Mr. Welch. You hit my best friend. Get out. All right, I'm. Mr. Bailey, you you okay? Who's that? Mr. Welch, but don't worry. He don't come in this place no more. I'll get something for your face. It's bleeding. I'm all right. Please don't go away, Mr. Bailey. Please don't go away. Well, George left Martini's Cafe five minutes ago, Clarence. He's at the river now, on the bridge looking at the water. Are you ready, Clarence? All ready, sir. Very well. Save George Bailey's life and you'll get your wings. My wings. Oh, thank you, Joseph. George! George Bailey! Get away from that bridge! You hear me? George! Just a moment, we'll bring you Act Three of It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore. The popular theory about beautiful blondes is that they're content to be merely decorative. Our lovely guest tonight, Miss Susan Blanchard, completely disproves that idea. Besides being a hard-working fox starlet, Susan, I understand you're a wonderful cook. I really love housekeeping, Mr. Keeley. But most of all, I enjoy the training I get at the studio. It's work. But it's fun, too. You're an Easterner, aren't you, Susan? Yes, a native New Yorker. Mm, I thought so. It was the Broadway theater that inspired me to think of show business as a career. Well, that's interesting. I used to save my allowance and go to every play I could. One of my favorite actresses was Jane Wyatt. Uh Uh-huh. Imagine, Mr. Keeley, what a thrill it was for me to meet her right here in Hollywood. Jane Wyatt's latest picture, Boomerang, was made in the East, I understand. Mm Mm-hmm, yes. But she and Dana Andrews, who stars in Boomerang with her, were in Hollywood to see a studio showing of the picture. Oh, I see. Jane Wyatt is my ideal of a stage and screen star. So talented and so lovely to look at. Just as lovely in real life, too. She is indeed. It wasn't long before I discovered that she's as keen about Lux toilet soap for beauty care as I am. You know... I'm a Lux girl, too. We're glad to hear you say that, Miss Blanchard, because that's a very beautiful Lux complexion I see before me. 
Just right for blue eyes and ash blonde hair. Thank you, Mr. Kennedy. Any girl in pictures is delighted to find out about Lux Toilet Soap as a beauty care. Active lather facials are so quick and easy, and they really make a difference in your skin. Thousands of busy, attractive women have discovered that, Miss Blanchard. Daily Lux Soap Complexion Care does make skin lovelier. Otherwise, it wouldn't be the choice of nine out of ten screen stars. Lux Toilet Soap is all around beauty care for me. I use it as a bath soap, too. It has such delightful perfume, leaves a lovely fragrance on the skin. Thank you, Miss Susan Blanchard. I hope our audience will be seeing that lovely Lux complexion of yours in a screen close-up one of these days. Now, back to our producer, William Keeley. Act three of It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore. despair, convinced, as Mr. Potter said, that he's worth more dead than alive, George Bailey stands on a bridge, staring at the dark and frigid waters below. Suddenly, there's a splash. Help! Help! I'm Help! Help! No, that's not George. It's Clarence, the apprentice angel. And there goes George in after him. Hmm. It's a few minutes later now, and in the bridgekeeper's shack, George and Clarence are drying off. You both sure you're all right? You, you want a doctor? No, I'm all right. I'm all right. Oh, I'm fine. This underwear, I didn't have time to get anything more stylish. My wife gave me this on my last birthday. I passed away in it. You... You what, mister? Mm. I see Tom Sawyer is drying out, too. Who? My book. I left in such a hurry, I brought Tom Sawyer with me. Hey, how'd you happen to fall in? Oh, I jumped in. I jumped in to save you. Jumped in to save me? Well, I... I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? Go through with what? Suicide. Hey, it's against the law to commit suicide around here. Yeah, it's against the law where I come from, too. <laughs> where do you come from? Heaven. Oh, that's very funny. Right your there. your lips bleeding. Yeah, yeah, I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer. Oh, no, George, I'm the answer to your prayer. Hey, how, how'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. Well, who are you supposed to be, anyway? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Clarence Oddbody. Well, what's, that, what's the AS2 for? Angel, second class. <laughs> hey, I'm getting out of here. You may not need a doctor, but I do. Here you are, my good man. Hey, look here. Why do you want to save me? Because I'm your guardian angel, George. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. Well, you look like about the kind of an angel I'd get. What, <laughs> what, uh, what happened to your wings? Well, I haven't won my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel second class. Oh, I see. But you can help me earn them, George, by... Letting me help you. Oh, uh, don't happen to have 8,000 bucks on you, do you? Oh, no, no, we, we don't use money in heaven. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I keep forgetting. Oh, I see. Comes in pretty handy down here, bub. <laughs> oh, cut, cut, cut. As I found it out a little late. You know, I'm worth more dead than alive. You mustn't talk like that. Joseph will never give me my wings if you keep feeling that way. You just don't realize what you've done for your folks. Why, if it hadn't been for yes, you... Yes, if it hadn't been time. for me, everybody would be better off. My wife and my kids and my friends. Oh, this is not going to be easy. I'd all be better off if I hadn't been born. What did you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. George, that's wonderful. It's wonderful? What? The idea you just gave me. Well, you got your wish. You've never been born. I've never been born? Exactly. No worries, no $8,000 to get, nothing. You simply don't exist. All right, all right, okay, all right. George, I can do things, strange things. I can show you the world, George, the way it would be if you hadn't been born. Hey, wait, hey, wait a minute, this ear of mine. Hey, say something else in that bad ear. You don't have a bad ear anymore. Oh, I don't think you're concentrating. Oh. Don't you see? You're not the George Bailey you think you are. You're well, uh... You're nobody. That's a doggone thing I ever saw, that, that ear. Your lips stopped bleeding, too. Yeah. Yeah, hey, hey what's, what's happening around here? What is this, anyway? I need a drink, that's what I need. What, what about you, Angel? You want a drink? 
Well, I, I don't quite know. Come on, come I... on. We'll go as soon as our clothes are dry. Clothes are dry, George. Hey, that's, so they are. That's funny. Well, look, let's get dressed and we'll stroll over to Martini's and then... Uh, oh, excuse me. I mean, I'll stroll. You fly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I don't have my wings. You don't wings. have your wings yet. That's um, right. I forgot that again. A couple of drinks and we'll both fly, huh? What'll you have, fellas? Hey, where's the boss? Where's Martini? Look, wise guy, I'm the boss, see? Okay, well, double scotch, quick, will you? What's yours? You know what I just love? Some mulled wine. Huh? Heavy on the cinnamon and light on the cloves. Off with you, my lad, and lively now. Now, cut it out. Oh, no, come on, you. Just give him the same as I ordered. He's okay. He's uh, two double scotch. Well, what about this place? It's all changed. All of Bedford Falls has changed. You're having your wish, George. You've never been born. Oh, there'll be lots of things you've never seen before. Oh, good. Somebody just made it. Made what? Every time a bell rings, it means some angel's got his wings. What'd you say? Uh, look, uh, Clarence, I don't think you better talk about angels around here. Don't they believe in angels? Oh, yeah, they believe in them, but you know, it's just a little well, then thing. Then why should people be surprised when they see one? Uh, don't mind him, bartender. He's just a little fellow. He just never grew up. And how old are you anyway, Clarence? Well, next May, I'll be 293. That does it. A couple of pixies, huh? Go on, get you. Hear me, get. Where's Martini? Will you stop tell me? asking about Martini? He ain't here any. Hey, you. Rami, didn't I tell you never to come panhandling around here? George, look. Hey, it's Mr. Gower. Mr. Gower. Listen, Mr. Gower, don't you know me? This is George Bailey. You, you buy me a drink, Mister. Just one drink, will you, Mister? Pinky. Yeah, Nick. Throw the rummy out. Oh no, no, please. Hey, bartender, that's that's Mr. Gower, the druggist. That rumhead spent twenty years in jail for poisoning some kid. If you knew him, you must be a jailbird yourself. Pinky, here's two more. Get him out of here. Well, get up, George. Good thing he threw us in the snowbank, huh? Hey, where's Where's Mr. Gower? Mr. Gower doesn't know you, George. You see, you weren't there to stop him from putting poison into that prescription. Hey, what do you mean I wasn't there? Look, look, tell me, what are you? Are you a hypnotist? George. Look, well, why am I seeing all these strange things here? Don't you understand it's because you were not born? Well, if I wasn't born, then who am I? Nobody. You have no identity. Well, what do you mean I have no identity? No papers, no driver's license, no 4F card, no insurance policy. Zuzu's bell. What? Zuzu's bell. I bought my little girl a bell to hang on the Christmas tree, and I forgot to give it to her. I've got it in my... I... It's gone. It's gone, too. Everything's gone. But you've been given a great gift, George. A chance to see what the world would be like if you'd never been born. You're crazy. You're crazy as a bedbug, and you're driving me crazy, too. Now, look, I'm going home to my wife and family. Do you understand that? And I'm going home alone. Better not leave him alone, Clarence. Keep following him. Joseph, oh, I'll stay near him, sir. Poor George. He's seeing Main Street now the way it'd be if he hadn't lived. The thing that's really shocked him, sir, is the building and loan office. Know what's there now? Pawn shop. What's he doing? Can you see? He's talking to Ernie Bishop, the taxi driver. He wants to go home. You better tag along, Clarence. Oh, I will, sir. I will. Come on, step on it, will you, Ernie? Get me home. I'm off my nut. Where do you live, buddy? Oh, now, doggone it, Ernie. Don't you start pulling that stuff on me. 323 Sycamore. 323 Sycamore. Yeah, hurry. I'll put a Zuzu sick. Okay, buddy. Hey, look, Ernie. I, I don't know what's happened. I'm going crazy or something. I got some bad liquor. I... Now, look. Tell me this now. You're Ernie Bishop, right? And you live with your wife and kid, Donald. You've seen my wife? What do you mean? I've seen your wife. I've been in your house a hundred times. What do you... We, we built it for you, didn't we? Bud, my wife took the kid and ran away five years ago, and I ain't never seen you before in my life, see? Okay, Ernie. Okay. Okay. Just step on it. Get me home. Mary! Mary, where are you? Janie, Petey, Zuzu. Zuzu, where are you? This is just an old abandoned house, George. You have no wife. 
No children. Where are they? What have you done with them? Hey, I'll break that thing. See, I told you. All right, up with your hands. Oh, Bert, Bert the cop. Thank heaven you're here. Now, look, why don't you be a good fella and I'll take you to a doctor. Bert, now, Bert, listen to me. What's the matter with you guys? Now, listen, it's that fellow there. He says he's an angel. He tried to hypnotize me. I hate to use my nightstick, but I guess I... Ow! Uh, run, George, run. He can't hit you while I'm Ow! biting him. George, run. My teeth aren't what they used to be. Joseph, help! Joseph! Joseph! Where'd they go, honey? Where'd they go? I, I, I don't know. They just disappeared. Oh, Joseph, I hope you don't mind my calling on you like I did. It was very irregular, Clarence. You're by yourself again. Where's George? He's at his mother's house, sir. Well, if George hasn't been born, he has no mother. Oh, he's being very stubborn, sir. He'll just have to find these things out for himself. But his mother, that's a terribly bitter blow to a man, his old mother not knowing him. You mean I shouldn't have let him? I mean you better find him right away. Oh, and stop fighting policemen, Clarence. I'm here again, George. My mother, my own mother didn't know me. If only Harry were here. My brother were only back from Washington. Your brother fell through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. Well, that's a lie. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. Don't you see, George, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence. Yes? Where's Mary? Please, where's my wife? I, uh, I'm not supposed to tell. Tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? I'll choke it out of you if I have to. Where's my wife? The library. She works there. She's just about to lock up for the night. So I, uh... George! George! Come back! Oh, there must be some easier way for me to get my wings. Mary. Mary. I'm sorry, the library's closed. Mary, it's George. Don't you know me? No, I don't know you. Let me go. Mary, please, don't do this to me, Mary. Please, help me. Help me. Where, where are our kids, Mary? I need you, Mary. Oh, get please. away from me. Help! Help! Help me. help me, Mary. I'm George. Mary! Clarence. Oh, where is he, Joseph? Where's George? I'm afraid I've lost him, sir. You knew you shouldn't have let him try to see Mary. Now they're after him. A mob. They think he was trying to hurt her. Joseph, I won't even get one wing, will I? You have one more chance, Clarence. Get over to the bridge by the river. I think George has seen just about enough. But, uh, but the mob... Now don't worry. They've lost him, too. Now hurry up. Oh, thank you, Joseph. Thank you. Clarence. Clarence! Clarence, where are you? I'm here, George. Help me, Clarence. Get me back. I don't care what happens to me. Only get me back to my wife and kids, please. I want to live again. Oh, thank you, George. Thank you, boy. I want to live again, please. Oh, God, please let me live again. George? Is that you down there, George? Now, get out of here, Bert. Get out of here. You come in any closer, I'll, what the I'll let you have it. What the hell are you yelling for, George? Come on. George. George, Bert. Bert, do you know me? No, yeah. I've been looking all over town for you. Where you been? Hey, Bert. Bert. I'm alive again, Bert. You sure you're all right? Hey, your mouth's bleeding. It is. Hey, my mouth's bleeding. Bert, look at, look at the blood come out of there, would you? Huh? And where's Zuzu's Christmas bell, Bert? I had it right in my pocket. Here it is. Hey, it's in my pocket. What do you know about it? Hey, Merry Christmas, Bert. Well, Merry Christmas. Get in the car. I'll drive you home. You will, Bert. We'll do that. I turn the siren wide open, huh? Merry Christmas, Bedford Falls. Hey, Merry Christmas, old building alone. Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter. Yippee! Come on. Hey, Bert, come on, come on in with me, huh? What are these people, these reporters? Hey, oh, oh, 
Merry Christmas, reporters. Hey, Mr. Bank Examiner, Merry Mr. Christmas. Mr. Bailey, there's a deficit. I know, $8,000, I'll bet, huh? George, I've, I've got a little paper here. I'm oh, sorry. I, but... I bet it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't that wonderful? Merry Christmas. Hey, where's Mary, you know? Uh, look at this wonderful old drafty house. Shouldn't it wonder? Have you seen my wife? Where's Mary? Daddy, Mary! Daddy, Mary, Kitty! Kitty! Hey, kid, Janie, Petey! Hey, oh, I could eat you up. Where's your mother? She went looking for you, Daddy, with Uncle Billy. Oh, yeah. Daddy! Zuzu, my little ginger snap. How do you feel, huh? Fine, Daddy. Not a snitch of temperature. Not a snitch of temperature. Hallelujah! George! George, darling! It's Mommy! Mommy's home! Mary! George, where have you been? Mary, oh, George, oh, Mary, George. Now, look, just let me touch you. Oh, you're real, Mary. Oh, you've no idea what happened oh, to me. You've no idea what's happened either. They're on their way here. Who? Who's on their way? Oh, the police department? I don't... The FBI? The National Guard? I'm alive again, Mary. Oh, listen, Mary, I'm alive again. Oh, yes, darling, yes. Now, now, close your eyes and, and come on downstairs. Oh, what is it? Can't open my eyes yet, Mary? What's going on here? Now, now keep your eyes closed. Now, I'll just walk you over here by the Christmas tree and... Well, the people I hear, for lots of people. What, what is it? Lots of people. Just one minute now. We're all ready, Uncle Billy. Come in, everybody. George, look. Just look. Uncle Billy. Money, George. A laundry basket filled with money. Money for you. Mary did it, George. I Mary. I don't understand. What money? What... People heard you in trouble, darling. These people, your friends, they've collected this money for you. The $8,000. Charlie. Hey, there's Mar there's Martini. Uh, Mr. Gower. Hey, how are you, Mr. Gower? Mrs. Thompson, Ed, Tom, everybody. Huh? None of us would have a roof over our heads if it wasn't for you, George. Oh, gosh, this is wonderful. Hey, Mary, look. Look who's coming in. Mother. Hi, Mother. Hey, and Harry. Got Mary's telegram, George. I flew in as fast as hey, I could. Hey, everybody, a toast. How about a toast? Oh, good idea, Ernie. A toast to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. Good old acquaintance. Daddy, my Christmas bell. Please forget. Forget? Here, honey. Here's your bell. Daddy. Charlie, what's this on the table here? What's this the, the Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Lord, there's something written in it. Dear George, remember no man is a failure who has friends. Thanks for the wings, love, Clarence. Clarence? Yeah, he's a very dear friend of mine. Daddy, this is Welsh. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right, Zuzu. That's right. That's right. Had a boy, Clarence. Had a boy, Clarence. Happy landing. It's a wonderful life so long as we can have such fine performances as we enjoyed tonight. From Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, and Victor Moore. Jimmy, I'd like to thank whatever guardian angel whisked you back from Texas for our show this evening. Well, that guardian angel was an airline's wing, uh, Bill. <laughs> you were in Texas for the premiere of his picture, weren't you, Jimmy? Yeah, Frank Capra and I went down for five openings as many nights. Pretty good All down there in Texas, Texas yeah. Jimmy? Yeah, every one of them. There are five premieres over Texas. You know, it's a pretty big state. takes that many to <laughs> do it. Jimmy, I'm sure your fans were proud to read that you received an honorary degree from Princeton just the other week. Yes, how about that, Jimmy? Do we call you professor now? No, 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 no. It's just an M.A. Oh, Master of Arts? Well, I don't, it might have been. I don't know. It might be for murdering architecture. That's what I studied <laughs> at Princeton. <laughs> well, you know, Donna has an honorary degree to her credit, too. L-L-C. What's that, Bill? L-L-C? Well, you can see for yourself. A lovely Lux complexion. Well, thank you, Bill. Or rather, thank Lux Toilet Soap. It's a wonderful complexion care. I use it faithfully. With wonderful results, I see. Uh, what's happening next Monday night on Lux, Bill? Next week, we have another of the season's most successful films. It's 20th Century Fox's thrilling screen hit, Leave Her to Heaven, with lovely Jean Tierney. And a star who appears in answer to literally hundreds of requests. Cornell Wilde. 
Best, based on the best-selling novel of the same name, Leave Her to Heaven is the strange, dramatic story of a woman whose twisted mind and fiendish jealousy drive her to any lengths to hold the man she loves. Now that ought to make great listening, Bill. I wouldn't miss it for anything. Good night. night. Good, Good night, night, and thanks a million. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday evening when the Lux Radio Theater presents Gene Tierney and Cornell Wilde in Lever to Heaven. This is William Keeley saying goodnight to you from Hollywood. Here's a sure way to save on your meat and grocery bills. Turn in used patch kitchen fats to your butcher and receive a generous price for every pound. The worldwide supply of fats is still desperately short, and every drop you save helps in the making of soap, refrigerators, and other needed items. So save and turn in your used kitchen fats. Donna Reed appeared through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of The Beginning or the End, starring Brian Donlevy and Robert Walker. James Stewart will soon be seen in the Robert Riskin production for RKO, Magic Town. Victor Moore will soon be seen in Roy Del Ruth's production, it happened on Fifth Avenue. Our music was directed by Louis Silvers. This program is broadcast to our men and women overseas through cooperation with the Armed Forces Radio Service. And this is your announcer, John Milton Kennedy, reminding you to tune in again next Monday night to hear Lever to Heaven with Gene Tierney and Cornell Wilde. Surprise. When you bake and fry Surprise. For your cake and pie Surprise. It's your shortening by Reliance Fry Want fried foods crisp, golden, better tasting? Try Spry, the pure vegetable shortening that gives you delicious, better tasting fried foods. So digestible, too, the Spry way. Rely on Spry. S-P-R-Y. Rely on Spry. S-P-R-Y. Be sure to listen in again next Monday night to hear the Lux Radio Theater presentation of Lieber to Heaven. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. You may have noticed in the show's opening that Jimmy Stewart had just gotten back from attending five premieres of It's a Wonderful Life across Texas, and this was in March of 1947. Back in the day, films might open in a single theater in a big city before slowly branching out to ever wider release. So, for many across the country, It's a Wonderful Life wouldn't necessarily be considered a specifically Christmas film since it didn't receive its big local premiere until months after the holiday season. In fact, one of the deciding factors in releasing the film during the 1946 holiday season was to ensure its eligibility for the upcoming 1947 Academy Awards. It's a Wonderful Life did manage a number of Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, Actor, and Director, losing most categories to the best years of our lives. It did, however, receive a special technical Oscar, for its cinematic snow technology. The film version of It's a Wonderful Life began its theatrical run Christmas week of 1946. Going up against the likes of eventual Best Picture winner The Best Years of Our Lives, James Mason in The Wicked Lady, Betty Hutton in Cross My Heart, Kate Hepburn in Undercurrent, Joan Crawford in Humoresque, The Time, The Place, The Girl, starring Dennis Morgan, Merle Oberon in Temptation, Claudette Colbert in The Secret Heart, The, Ra the Razor's Edge with Tyrone Power, David Niven in Stairway to Heaven, and Walt Disney's Song of the South, among others. Music-wise, the radios, Victrolas, and jukeboxes of America had these holiday favorites in heavy rotation. And while Bing Crosby's White Christmas was still everyone's favorite Christmas tune, 1946 brought a number of new recordings to the season. There was Bing Crosby and the Andrews Sisters' take on Santa Claus's Coming to Town, Jingle Bells from Frank Sinatra, Perry Como's Silent Night, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow from Vaughn Monroe, and most famously, Nat King Cole's The Christmas Song. Did you know Nat King Cole released two versions of a Christmas song that year? The first with just his trio, and the second, and more popular, Sweetened with Strings. It's amazing to think that you could program these tracks today on any classic Christmas radio station or playlist 
and no one would blink an eye. Talk about timeless, just like It's a Wonderful Life. Tonight's episode of Lux Radio Theatre premiered on March 10, 1947. Its competition that night included the Bell Telephone Hour, a critically acclaimed program of classical and operatic music. The Victor Borga, Benny Goodman Show with special guest Dennis Day, the sitcom Beulah, and the game show So You Want to Lead a Band? Lawrence Welk, The Shadow, and Famous Jury Trials also competed for listenership in some parts of the country. Other shows on that evening included a now-unfortunately-lost episode of Inner Sanctum, The Joan Davis Show, Sherlock Holmes, and Cavalcade of America. If you kept your dial where it was, you could have heard another film-to-radio adaptation, this time A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by the Screen Guild Players. Hey, remember those other radio adaptations of It's a Wonderful Life I mentioned earlier? Well, I'll be presenting those as well in future episodes of the podcast. Check out the show notes for links to our website containing YouTube and Spotify playlists featuring the Christmas hits of 1946, plus vintage ads, articles, and even comic strips from Christmas 1946. So, thanks for spending the last hour or so with me as we tuned our Christmas time machine back to 1947. If you enjoyed this episode, then you'll want to watch out for our next show, which will feature holiday hijinks from Fibber McGee and Molly, plus more great vintage Christmas surprises.